Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton, and that's right, we are Wagering Week. You can get in touch with us at Facebook, at Twitter, all of the social media components that you have. That's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, 855, the number 4, G-A-R-T-E-N. Get you part of the show, iTunes, iHeartRadio, SoundCloud, SportsGarden.com. We're everywhere. Any of our fine syndicated affiliates, that's where you reach us. And we have a lot to talk about today. The NFL schedule has been released, which means NFL Week 1 lines have also been released. We're going to talk about all that. We're going to dig in deep for sure. We have a little bit of Major League Baseball to cover first. And, of course, we got to give you our Corona update. So let's talk Major League Baseball because it goes with the Corona situation and the update. Uh, Ken Rosenthal of The Athletic is reporting Major League Baseball has presented the union with an 80-page document outlining potential health and safety protocols for the COVID-19 pandemic. Now, what has happened this week was this. Major League Baseball said we are ready to go. We want to go and here are the guidelines that we want to have for it. Now we're going to give it to the Players Association and see if they agree. I warned you a couple weeks ago to understand that politics play a large role in what is going on right now. And I'm not only talking about for the coronavirus. What I'm talking about is the politics of making one side out to seem a little bit worse than the other. And Major League Baseball has always been at odds with their union. Uh, Players Association will always be. What is going on right now is exactly that. This is what is happening. They're going to turn around, and they did, and they proposed it. They were supposed to agree on it that day. They didn't. They walked out of the meeting, okay? They said, we'll revisit this tomorrow. They walked out again. There's still no resolution. Now, Ken Rosenfall is hearing that it actually was never formally proposed. This is a revenue-sharing idea that is the biggest uh, kind of crux of everything. What they're proposing in part, is a revenue-sharing situation. Now, using the term revenue-sharing, even that gets a little dicey because is it really revenue-sharing? What Major League Baseball is proposing is that the players take a 50% cut in their salary, but that's after their 33% cut that has already been taken. Blake Snell, the Tampa Bay Rays ace, spoke up, uh, and he really really uh, was the leading voice for this. And he explained it like this. He said, because we are looking at a prorated contract, and that's what Major League Baseball has proposed, a prorated deal, which means Major League Baseball players would lose 33% of their salary if they played about 100 game season. So they're already losing 33% of their salary. So very simply, guys, let's say you make 100 bucks, right? 100 bucks. You just lost 33. And that means you're making 66%. Now the owners are saying, well, we'll do a 50-50 rev share on your remaining salary. So if you had $100, you're actually only making 33 And then as Blake Snell would point out, then they have to pay taxes on that 33 So let's say, what are you going to do? Walk away with 20 You're a $100 player. You just walked away with 20 bucks. So Blake Snell really, um, really laid into them. He really, really went at it. And a lot of players are backing him up. Trevor Bauer came on Twitter and said, same song and dance for Major League Baseball. Leak a story. Negotiate through the media. Make players out to be the bad guys. Players already agreed to a pay cut. They've already agreed 
and negotiated on a prorated minus the 33. Now, after an agreement, they want to go back on it to try to make more money. And that's exactly what's going on here. Look, this is one of the, the pitfalls that we've discussed for well over a month now that I said be very cautious when hoping Major League Baseball comes back and thinking that it will come back because what often happens in here is one side wants the other side to look bad. And that's what's happening. Major League Baseball saying, we want to come back. Shouldn't you play for the love of the game? And knowing that the Major League Baseball Players Association and the union is just going to say no. You had to know that. You had to know they were going to say no. no. They didn't officially say no. But you can already hear the sentiment going on. And in a lot of ways, I don't blame them. I want baseball back like anybody else. I want to be able to bet on games. I want to be able to watch games. I want to be able to cheer. I want to have the excitement. I, I have a ticket sitting here that the Yankees win the World Series. I took before they got Garrett Cole. I want baseball this year. But I also understand losing 80% of your salary. By the way, it's not only 80% of your salary. It's 80% of your guaranteed salary. Hey, you have a contract for a reason. And they negotiated and came to a conclusion for a reason. But let's put that back on the back burner because there are some interesting rule changes. So let's go with the rule changes that they're being proposed and that will be involved in everything that's going on because some of these rule changes, guys, will infuriate you. But since we are a wagering show, some of them you have to make sure you pay attention to from a wagering standpoint. First and foremost, the number one rule change that will set the universe on fire in the baseball world is the universal DH will be put into place. That means every team will have a designated hitter. National League, here's your DH. Now, this rule, I will say flat out, has nothing to do with the coronavirus. It's a silly, ridiculous rule to throw in for the coronavirus. And oh, by the way, I'm for the universal DH. But this is the way to sneak this in. John Heyman is reporting the universal DH is expected to be easily approved by the players. This is the way that that they're going to get it. Once you have the DH, they're never going to take it away, guys. So I think that this rule change, if it does go into effect for this year, I think it's going to stick forever. I really, truly do. Okay? So you have the universal DH. What does that do from a betting perspective? Well, let's talk. From a betting perspective, you don't have the pitcher coming up anymore. Now, this impacts many, many things. Number one, run lines should be a little bit heavier. You're getting a big-time player, usually a big-time bat. Most DHs are bat only, and they're, they're good. They're usually a 30-home run kind of pop-it-out guy. Your DH is going to be able to add to the run line, so your run lines are going to be a little bit harder, uh, a little bit higher. It also is going to help American League teams. Now, I know teams like the Dodgers, uh, who have a glut of outfielders, yeah, they'll get helped out. The Reds, they weren't sure what to do with Nick Senzel. Maybe he'll go there. Or Aquino. Yeah, there's a couple of handful of teams, but generally speaking, the Mets, right, if Cespedes is healthy, there are a few NH NL teams, but... If an NL team is playing an AL team, and the AL team is used to the DH, and they're paying a guy to play DH, this is going to help the AL team. So lean to the AL team. Lean to the overs when you're talking about sports betting. But also when you're talking about prop bets and daily fantasy. Expect strikeouts to go down in the National League. National League pitchers always got to face the pitcher. So you think about a good National League pitcher is batting, you know, 150. You get to face them every single day if you're a starter. You're facing a pitcher. Sometimes the guy that's number four or five hitter, a relief pitcher. I mean, you're getting extra strikeouts. How many? 
I don't know. Um, but you can do the math. You could average it out. 33 starts. You're going to face the starting pitcher. Yeah, you got to figure two times at least. You're going to face 60 to 70, probably close to like 75 starting pitchers over the course of the year that are going to be batting. Let's say the strikeout rate for them is half. That adds another 35, 30 to 35 strikeouts to your total. Keep that in mind when you're talking about prop bets. So that's one rule change. That's how that affects the betting angle. How about this one? So that one makes no sense for coronavirus. Let's put that flat out there. How about this one? There will be no mound visits during the game, and pitching changes will be done from the dugout. All right? I understand this from the corona aspect. No, I don't. Come on. Of course I don't. Well, if you're showering with a dude, sitting on a bus with him, hanging out in a hotel, sitting in a dugout, does it really matter if he's talking to you on the mound? I mean, this is for optics only. This is to speed up the game. This has nothing to do with Corona. The DH has nothing to do with Corona. This is to speed up the game. Has nothing to do with Corona. Nothing. Now, on a betting angle, what does this do? Uh, Pitchers that get rattled. I remember Ken Giles punching himself in the face, right? Pitchers that get rattled are going to be more volatile. I want the more consonant guy. I want the Kyle Hendricks. Guy that kind of can police his own game. So I'm going to lean to veterans. Veteran pitchers are going to be way more important now because you don't have anybody trying to calm down the youngster. This is very big. Very big from a betting angle. Overall, has nothing to do with Corona. Don't give me that. Extra inning games will be played as follows. The 10th inning will have a runner on second base with no outs for each team. The 11th inning will have a runner on second and third base with no outs for each team. The 12th inning will have the bases loaded with no outs. And if the game is still tied after 12 innings, which it never will be, then the result will be a tie except postseason games where each team after the 11th inning will have the bases loaded until there is a winner. One of the most ridiculous things I've ever heard in my life. One of the beauties of Major League Baseball is you avoid the tie. There's no time clock. What the hell is this? Bases loaded and no out. Man on third and no out. You got a fly ball. Game's over. I think it's a horrible, horrible way. But I will tell you this, guys, from a betting perspective. Wow. 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 From a betting perspective, home teams should get a massive boost. If it goes into extra innings, all they got to do is hit a fly ball. That's it. Game's over. You're going to see a lot of that, guys. This is a ridiculous rule. It has nothing to do with coronavirus. Everything to do with speeding the game up. And it is a horrible rule. How about coronavirus stuff that I could get behind? No spitting of sunflower seeds or chewing tobacco. All right, I get it. We all seen the naked gun clip, right? And everybody spits. I did it all the time. I mean, spitting and baseball go together. But I get it. We're in a global pandemic. Then again, if spitting was so bad, uh, these guys are being tested, right? So they shouldn't have the coronavirus, so it shouldn't make sense. I'm not getting into that, but understand. There's also no sharing of beverages in the dugout. How are you going to police share? First of all, who's sharing beverages? I've been in dugouts most of my life. I have never seen one dude drink a little bit of Gatorade and hand it to the next guy. No one's sharing beverages. And how are you going to police this? What's the, what's the, what, you're suspended for two games because you guys shared the same Gatorade? Come on. Ridiculous. Each player will have his own energy bar supply. Oh, and his own gum. Can't share gum. Nope. Can't have that. Once a player is removed from a game, he will be forced to leave the dugout, shower in the clubhouse, and leave the facility. 
each road team must have enough buses available so that shuttling of players in small groups to and from the ballpark may become easy. No taxi rides or share. Okay, I don't care. I, it doesn't matter. Look, the player leaves a game. He's got to leave the ballpark. All right, whatever. It, it's a silly rule, but I could get behind that one. The first one I could get behind, basically. There will be absolutely no visitors, media members, or anybody else allowed in the clubhouse. I'm fine with this. I'm a media member, and I'm fine with this. I'm okay. Let them shower. I don't need to see them showering, right? Let them shower, and then come out, and, and let's have a conversation. I, I'm okay with that. You know, for now, that that's fine. I hope it's not the new normal, but that's fine. I think journalists need that clubhouse access, but for right now, that's fine. There will be no instant replay. The video room will be shut during the game, and the video coordinator will leave the facility before the game begins. All right. I'm okay with no instant replay. I always have been. There are no first and third base coaches on the field. What? This helps minimize the number of people at the game. If they are in the dugout, they're still at the game, you morons. Having a third base coach at third base or having him sit in the dugout, are you kidding me? As a matter of fact, the third base coach and the first base coach are probably further away from the players than if they are sitting on the bench. So all the signals have to come from the bench. Uh, ridiculous. Oh, oh, by the way, all the signals have to come back from the bench when Major League Baseball is in the worst signal scandal of all time. <laughs> How ridiculous. The following staff members will be permitted in the ballpark. Manager, hitting coach, pitching coach, bench coach, trainer, strength coach, clubhouse attendants, four of them, traveling agents, two owners, one president, president of baseball operations, general manager, assistant general manager, public relations staff, meters, members, and a doctor. Well, yeah, no one's going to be there. That We don't need a third base coach, but we need 20 people. I mean, come on. I get the trainers, but... Traveling secretary? Oh, yeah, we need the traveling secretary in the dugout. <laughs> I mean, come on. Players may invite up to four people to each game. Mom, you can come to the game, but I can't have a first base coach. Just going to say that. Uh, uh, come on. Come on. All personnel, including players, will uh, have their temperatures checked. I'm fine with that. Whatever. Here's the here's the problem that I have. Any person with a temperature above the limit is defined. I heard that it's like 99, and then some places said it's 100. I, I don't know how effective that's going to be, but that's getting into a doctor area, which I'm not an expert. There'll be no broadcasters in the ballpark. But one reporter will have access to certain areas. The broadcasters will be able to broadcast games on TV and radio remotely. What? So broadcasters have to watch the game on TV and then broadcast it. Okay, cool. I'm, I'm for hire, oh, by the way. But why would they just not sit in their living room and do this, right? Why would you have to go there? So no broadcasters in the ballpark. Uh, again, we are getting into a ridiculous situation. You know, some dude's girlfriend could be sitting in the stands, but you can't have... Uh, Michael K. reporting and broadcasting the game. One Only one player and manager will meet in the pool of ma media members. I'm fine with that. Players will have to agree to contract tracing. Yeah, I'm okay with that. That's fine. I don't think that's going to happen, but that's fine. Clubhouse will never have a full team uh, in it occupied. There'll be staggering reporting. The training rooms will be covered in sanitary. All this other stuff is fine. Food in the clubhouse will be open in shifts. All right. Locker rooms and bathrooms. I'm okay with all this. What I am not okay with is the idea that we're using this, and like I said, a lot of this is political, ladies and gentlemen. We are using this all for rule changes that don't affect anything with corona, and they're using this as an experiment, using this to speed up the game, using this to get the DH involved. Even if you're for the DH, it, this is being used, but we could learn something and make some money on the betting aspect of this. How about spring training, spring training? Um, they're going to have it. It's going to try to start on July 6th, and then players reporting on July 16th would be kind of the, the season. 
you know, they would have inter-squad games. Spring training would work in shifts. and But they're going to try to have a spring training. You have to have a ramp-up. You have to. The plan is to have opening day on August 1st is basically what they're saying. Now, I've heard July. I think July's a little far off. I think that this is kind of what it is. And we, we've all heard about the teaming. Baltimore, Boston, Miami, New York, Yankees, Philly, Pittsburgh, Toronto, Tampa, Washington. One division, Central Division, Atlanta, Cubs, White Sox, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Detroit, Kansas City, Milwaukee, uh, and St. Louis, Minnesota, St. Louis. And then West is Arizona, Colorado, Houston, Dodgers, Angels, Oakland, San Diego, San Francisco, Seattle, and Texas. Um, you look at from a betting perspective, and you wonder who gets the most help here. Right? Who is the team that is getting, or, or the teams, I should say, that are getting the most help with, we'll call it realignment? And we know that everyone has discussed realignment for a little while here. Well, Baltimore is bad. Boston's mediocre. Miami's bad. Yankees are very good. Mets are in the middle. Philadelphia's in the middle. Pittsburgh's bad. Toronto's bad. Tampa Bay, Washington, and the Yankees get four or five bad teams there. In the Central, Atlanta, the Cubs, the White Sox, Cincinnati, Cleveland are all pretty good. Milwaukee's pretty good. Minnesota's pretty good. St. Louis pretty good. You only got two bad teams there. In the West, I mean, maybe Colorado could be considered bad. Outside of that, uh, San Francisco and Seattle are bad, and Texas are bad. So the West has about four, maybe five teams that are bad. The East has four, maybe five teams that are bad. The Central's going to be a nightmare. Let me repeat the Central again. Atlanta, by the way, I don't know how Atlanta's in the Central, but Atlanta, the Cubs, White Sox, Cincinnati, Cleveland, Detroit, Kansas City, Milwaukee, Minnesota, St. Louis, all of those teams had hopes of making the playoffs, um, with the exception, I, I guess, of Kansas City. They didn't have too many hopes of making the playoffs, and Detroit. But St. Louis, Minnesota, Milwaukee, Cleveland, Cincinnati, White Sox, Cubs, Atlanta, yeah, that, that's that's tough. That's a tough situation. So that's your Corona update. The Major League Baseball proposal. We'll hear more about it in the coming days. Let's take a quick timeout. We'll be back right after this on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I bet you twenty bucks I can get to gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? And we are off. That's right. Week one lines have dropped. That's what the kids say, right? When the new album drops, they go, hey, it's dropped. Well, the week one odds have dropped. From Sportsbook USA, as soon as the lines came out, the line and total came up for the 2021 regular season opener of Texans at Chiefs. And that initial line had the Chiefs minus 10 and a half and the total to 56. Now, we, what do we know? The Chiefs are everyone's darlings. Everybody loves the Chiefs. Mahomes, a beautiful story. Everybody loves it, right? It's great. Chiefs, 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 Chiefs. And Bill O'Brien's a complete disaster, right? I mean, Bill O'Brien can't get out of his own way. Bill O'Brien is terrible. They traded DeAndre Hopkins. Ten and a half is a gift. Well, not so much. Quickly after that all went down, Kansas City is now sitting at nine and a half point favorites, and the line went down to 56. That's at the South Point. So don't always just jump into things and, and think, you know, oh, I got value here, I have value there. Uh, the public went the other way. The public took the points, and I can't say that I disagree with them at this point. So that game to me is, I think it's a little too close for comfort. Oh, let's remember. 
that Houston played well last year in New Orleans on opening day. Houston also beat the Kansas City Chiefs during the regular season in Arrowhead. I, I think that Houston plus the 10.5 would have been great. 9.5, I'm probably going to lay off. I, I don't have much belief. But let's look at the rest of the card. We have the week one lines. We'll go through it pretty quickly here. Miami, New England. New England, 6.5 point favorites. Uh, against the Miami Dolphins, that is a game where it's all about who's the starting quarterback or who, in this case, is not the starting quarterback and not the starting quarterback. Yeah, there is no Tom Brady as the starting quarterback there. They always seem to have problems with Miami, but you give Bell Belichick the entire offseason. That's a game that I look at and I'm going, yeah, I could could understand the side for both of them there. Baltimore Ravens minus eight and a half over the Cleveland Browns. Baltimore is a team that got massively better in the offseason. They have the returning MVP. They are a team that everyone is starting to back, but Cleveland has a lot of talent. Eight and a half rivalry game usually screams to the underdog. I'm not sure what I feel about Cleveland this year, but I do know that they have the talent. I do know they went out and fixed some of the positions. I do know they'll have Miles Garrett back for this and a motivated Miles Garrett, I would assume. Cleveland plus eight and a half when the world is on the Ravens. That's a circled game for me. That's a game that I'm taking a look at. Jets and Bills, Buffalo minus five and a half, by the way, one of the lower totals on the board. This is 40, but five and a half for the Bills. Up in Orchard Park, you got to like Buffalo, but Buffalo's not going to have any advantage over the, the wind and the rain and the snow. It's not going to be cold, presumably, on September 13th. It's not going to be cold up in Buffalo. Um, you look at the Jets roster, they have a lot of good things. I think five and a half is a reasonable number. When you start to get into this five, four, four and a half, five, five and a half, six even range, you get into that range and you go, you know, I could see the Bills squeaking out a three-point win, but I don't know if I love the Jets with the points. So... I'll take Buffalo there. I don't love it. I don't think I'll be playing that game. Raiders, Panthers, down in Carolina. Teddy Bridgewater against the Las Vegas Raiders. And the game is a pick I think people are sleeping a little bit on Carolina. I think they should be sending this season in, and they're not. Bridgewater says that. McCaffrey's saying that they're not going to just phone it in. I think Carolina's going to be a little bit better than they are. But the Raiders... You have pieces there that are going to be good as the season gets on. Just not sure they're going to be good right away. I think this is a pick'em game for a reason. I like it as a pick'em game. Just like Seattle and Atlanta. Seattle's minus one on the road in Atlanta. But there's a couple of factors here. Normally, you're looking at the flight travel from Seattle to Atlanta, and you're saying to yourself, wow, that's a ridiculous, Yeah, I mean, just an absolutely ridiculous flight. That's a crazy trip. It's not going to bother them because they haven't traveled yet. They will be in Seattle for training camp. It's not going to be a bad travel for them at that point. Atlanta is usually fantastic at home with Matt Ryan, but they got a lot of new pieces and new moving parts. Seattle is still Seattle. They are still Russell Wilson, and he's coming on turf, and he's got some fast players, and Chris Carson should be back healthy. And he found receivers last year, and oh, by the way, they have a tight end now. I think this is minus one for a reason. I lean the home dog in most cases. I think that this is a no-play. Great line right there. Absolutely great line. A line I don't understand, and one of the lines I will tell you that I will probably be jumping on right now and going against so many 
handicapping philosophies. And I didn't bet it yet because it does go up against handicapping philosophies. And that is the Philadelphia Eagles minus six against the Washington Redskins in Washington. Again, you're taking a home dog. Uh, you're going against a home dog here. And you're taking a team laying six, nearly a touchdown in a division game on the road. Recipe for success. Take the points at home against a division team. It happens all the time. But I can't help but think that the Philadelphia Eagles are just determined. They have superior coaching without a problem. They have superior quarterback play without a problem. I don't think that there's any question about those two things. And Philadelphia was so banged up last year, and they still did what they did. Now, sometimes you have next man up, and sometimes you have, wow, that that guy really balled out, right? I mean, you have that idea. I think Philadelphia is too talented to lose this game. I don't love laying the six, but if there is a squash game in week one, remember last year, Washington, Philly, Washington jumped out to this huge lead and Philly just came storming back. If there is one blowout game, it might be this game. Bears, Lions, Lions are a one and a half point favorite at home against Chicago. These are two teams that I think we're going to do a lot of head scratching about this year. Detroit has some talent. And Detroit has Stafford back, and he's healthy. I still don't believe in Detroit's defense. I'm sorry, I don't. And as much as Patricia's a defensive guy, I don't believe in them. And the Bears' defense, well, they took a step back last year, but they took a step back because of injuries. No one's going to mention a defensive lineman, but defensive tackle Aaron Hicks is back and healthy. That means something. Because now that frees up Khalil Mack, and I think Khalil Mack lives in the backfield here. You have to like a couple of the pieces on the Lions and Galladay and whatnot. But look, the Bears, they got some pieces on their own. Allen Robinson looked like a just a different player last year. This all settles down to one thing. And I feel like I could play this tape on repeat since Jim McMahon days in Chicago, right? Who's starting for Chicago and its quarterback play? I believe that Mitch Trubinsky is going to be the starting quarterback week one. I don't think that they could throw everything away. But I believe that before they declined his fifth-year option. It doesn't really matter to me who is the quarterback in week one because it's just a matter of how they play. I think both of them are, can be effective in this spot. I think both of them could be effective against Detroit. I'm leaning Bears plus the points, but that might be some of my heart that's leaning that. How about the Indianapolis Colts going on the road to take on Jacksonville? Nobody's believing in Gardner Minshew. Look, I like Indianapolis. I think they have the best offensive line in football, and that means something to me. That means a lot to me. I mean, let me rephrase that. I like Phillip Rivers. And I know he's wearing a different uniform, and he's gotten a lot of punishment in the media over his career, but I like Phillip Rivers, and I like this Colts defense. I think Jacksonville continues to lose too much, but it is a home game if you want to say quote-unquote home game. If there's any team prepared to play in empty stadiums like a coronavirus, it's the Jacksonville Jaguars. I'll take Indianapolis here. I don't think it is a great game to go on. I don't think it's one of these games that I want to load up on. But I'll take Indy in this spot. Uh, I would have much lot rather to get a 6.5 instead of 7. Now it's boosted up to 7. It's going to be a tough one. How about the Vikings and Packers week 1? Minnesota minus the 3. Minnesota is still a dangerous team. Dalvin Cook is still very dangerous. Thielen is dangerous. Kirk Cousins is dangerous. But they're getting a little long in the tooth defensively. They've lost some key guys defensively. Even though Hunter's a beast in the middle. Uh, we know that. But we also know this. That Aaron Rodgers did just miracles last year with Green Bay. I'm speaking highly of Aaron Rodgers, right? He also has a tendency to beat up on Minnesota. He's getting three points. I think the public is going to pound Green Bay. I think that this number 
three will probably go off at about a one. It might get all the way down to a pick by the time we get to kickoff. If you like Green Bay, take the three right now. If you like Minnesota, wait it out. The public will drive this down. The Aaron Rodgers love will come back. All August, you'll probably hear how Aaron Rodgers is angry and he's on a mission. You'll hear that a lot. The mission. He's on a mission and he's angry and he's going to prove a point and he's going to show that. We'll hear all of that, guys. And this will be the hype machine. I don't love Minnesota at home in this spot. If anything, I would be leaning Green Bay. But I don't necessarily believe that Aaron Rodgers can just turn it on and flip that switch. He might be able to. But I just don't think that he certainly can do that. Cincinnati and their new shiny object, their new Joe Burrow. That's right. He'll be at home only catching three and a half to the Chargers. And the question is, who's the Chargers starting quarterback? I don't think you can bet this game until you know that. Is it Tyrod Taylor or are they going with the kid? And you look at Joe Burrow. At home, Cincinnati has a lot of weapons here. They do. You want to talk about a total that might be intriguing. Well, 45 and a half makes sense. But then again, wait, the Chargers have Derwin James healthy. The Chargers have Bosa. The Chargers defense is pretty good. This is a coin flip game. I know the world is going to jump on the Chargers. I get it. This is a West Coast team going to the East Coast, playing in a different time clock. It's a starting rookie quarterback first game. That's usually a bet against. There's a lot of bet against in this game. And if you have a, a ton of bet against, that means you don't really have a bet for, I'm staying far away. Intriguing matchup, San Francisco 49ers at home minus the eight against the Arizona Cardinals. Cardinals have some optimism. Kingsbury's shown that he can be an effective coach. Murray has shown that he looks very good. They now have DeAndre Hopkins on that team. The Niners are one of the most well-coached and disciplined teams in the league. They just went to the Super Bowl, came back after losing the Super Bowl, came back with generally the same team. They have one of the best defenses in the league. They're going to give Murray fits. But I can't help but think that this is an inflated number. I can't help but think a division game in this spot with this Cardinals team, maybe I'm drinking the Kool-Aid. Maybe I'm going a little too in on the kid Murray, who I think has potential. Maybe. But I think that this is an inflated number. How about the Saints and Bucks? Saints minus the four and a half against Tampa Bay. Oh, boy. Breeze against Brady. Oh, yes. How about Gronk coming back? Brady, everybody is going to have their eyes on this one. This should be the game of the weekend without a problem. This should be the game of the weekend. And while I think Brady will have success in Tampa, and while I think it's a great story about Tom, what do they call it, the, the Tampa Bay Gronkineers, I think it's all a fun story. I still don't buy into the Bucks running back. I still don't buy into the Bucks having an offensive line. I still think that the Bucks could get beat deep on, a, on the defensive back play. And New Orleans might be the most solidly built team this side of Kansas City in the league. They are a no-holes team from front to back, top to bottom. They don't have a problem area on this team. And they've only gotten better. I think that the Saints minus the four and a half could be a gift. I think Tom has success in Tampa. But we only look at one side. Tom wants to come back and he wants to show what he can do. And he's Tom and Tom and Gronk and Tom and Tampa... You don't think Drew Brees is sitting back going, yeah, uh, hello, everybody. I'm the other guy. 
I'm the I'm the other guy that if Tom Brady didn't exist, maybe I'd be in the conversation of the best quarterback ever. And it's my time. I have the team to win it this year. I think Drew Brees is going to be very motivated. So I kind of like New Orleans there in that spot. Dallas against the Rams. Right now, that is the NBC Sunday night game. Dallas minus three in Los Angeles. Why is this a Sunday night game? Why, why are we not getting Breeze Brady? Are you kidding me? But, okay, I have worries about the Rams. I have worries that the Rams let go of Wade Phillips uh, to give Sean McVay more power, not because it was a good football move. I have problems that the Rams don't really have that running back that I'm convinced could step in week one. And, and I think Cam Akers will be good, but I don't think he's going to step in in week one. I have concerns about Jared Goff. I have concerns about the Rams linebackers. I have concerns about the Rams defensive backs. And I, by no far, am I, am I a Cowboys fan at all. Dak's playing for something. They have extra receivers now when you add C.D. Lamb. These guys look good. Ezekiel Elliott is going to be there day one. The defense looks better. I love Dallas in this spot. I absolutely love Dallas minus the three. And I'm not a Cowboys fan, but I love Dallas minus the three. Monday night football. It's a, it's a double dip here. Giants are getting four at home against the Steelers. Here's another one. Another kind of questionable line. Do we love Daniel Jones that much? I know he's at home. Pittsburgh is getting Big Ben back. Pittsburgh had quietly one of the best defenses in the league. Do I believe that Daniel Jones is going to be able to handle the pressure from Watt and company? I don't think so. I think this Pittsburgh defense is getting massively underrated. I think this Pittsburgh team is getting massively underrated this year. One of my favorite teams on the year is the Pittsburgh Steelers. And if I could get them, I don't care if it's Monday night, if I could get them to play a team where Daniel Jones, who I'm not believing in right now, Daniel Jones is going to be under pressure. I think Jones makes mistakes. I think he throws a couple of picks. You could argue that the Steelers had two of the top five best defensive players in the league last year, and I think they only get better. You add Big Ben in the mix. You want to talk about comebacks. I think Ben rips apart this giant secondary that, to me, is very unimpressive. Pittsburgh might be my best bet of the week. And then you go to Denver, Tennessee. The Broncos are two-and-a-half-point favorites. The strange line of the week. Opening week has a lot of question marks and a lot of lines that will fluctuate. Strange line of the week is the Denver Broncos are favorites at home. Now, I think they should be. I'm massively high on Denver this year. I love Sutton. I think they they did a great job going out there and getting Gordon. I think Drew Locke can succeed. Their defense under Faggio, I think he's a good coach. It's a good spot. I am buying into Denver. But everybody watched what Tennessee was. Everyone fell in love with Tennessee last year. It was all Tennessee love. I expected this line to be about a pick If not Tennessee, even the favorite. You're, You're getting... Two and a half with Tennessee, I think that's going to be too tempting for the public. Here's another line where I fully expect, I like Denver, and I like Denver on the year. If you're taking Denver, wait this one out. I expect Tennessee money to come in. So overall, that is week one of the lines. They're going to change drastically. We know that. We have a long time, but they're going to change drastically. What I tell everybody, this is what I do, and I suggest you guys go out there and do this as well. Write down which teams you like right now. Write down who you like right now in week one. And then what you're going to do is you're going to come back to it. 
You're going to come back to those week one lines when you're doing this in early September. And when you come back to the line, see how much your perception have changed. See how much the public pushed your perception. See where the public went with the numbers. It all adds up when you're talking about sports wagering, sports handicapping, and making a little bit of money. I like Pittsburgh, but we'll see where that number comes to. Keep an eye on some of these things. But that's week one. We finally have odds. I'm getting excited for the NFL season. We got so long to go. But I'm getting excited. All right, guys. Now let's bet to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet Bet to the future. All right, let's bet to the future. The odds are out from the Superbook for the 2021 NFL Draft. Yeah, you barely caught your breath from the 2020 NFL Draft, but how about the 2021 NFL Draft? First selection overall to be chosen Thursday, April 29th, 2021. Well, the leader in the clubhouse right now, Trevor Lawrence from Clemson. He has been compared by me as to the best prospect that I've ever seen since Andrew Luck. I think it's a foregone conclusion that this man is the number one overall pick, but one to three odds. I'm not laying $300 to win 100 bucks. No way. How about number two? This is a, a an interesting number two guy. I thought maybe he would fly under the radar a little bit. Panay Sewell from Oregon, five to one. He is a transitional, generational left tackle. There is a chance that this could be a value pick because if the number one pick in the draft is a team that does not need a quarterback, this is the guy they're getting. They're going to take the guy that can protect their quarterback. So, for example, the Cincinnati Bengals. If the Bengals are on the clock, maybe if Miami Dolphins are on the clock, teams like this that just went out and got their franchise guy, the Chargers are on the clock. I don't think they will be. But these teams that are on the clock at number one overall, they may have their quarterback. What about the Giants? They may have their quarterback. The Jets, they may have their quarterback of the future. So rather than trade out, maybe they go get their left tackle in the future. Five to one odds. I think there's a little value there. Justin Fields, who everybody believes is closing the gap between Trevor Lawrence, is seven to one. I get the idea of rolling the dice on it. But I'll say this. Trevor Lawrence is the most polished college quarterback that I've seen in a very long time. I don't think he's going to do a lot to lose that stature. I don't think Fields has enough to to overtake him. All right. Gregory uh, Rosenall from Miami, 40-1. to 1. Trey Lance, who I've talked about a lot. North Dakota State quarterback went the entire year last year. Didn't throw an interception. He's 50-1. to 1. Justin Newman, 60-1. to 1. Uh, Jamar Chase, 60-1. to 1. Basham Jr., 60-1. to 100-1. to 1. Xavier Thomas, Dylan Moss, 100-1. to 1. Uh, Justin Rose, 100-1. to 1. Jalen Waddell, 100-1. to 1. Patrick Sertain, 100-1. to 1. Defensive guy's not going to win it. Um, Sean Wade, hundred to one. Alex Le- Leatherwood, hundred to one. Devonte Smith, hundred to one. So you got some guys up there. I think you really have to decide: is it Field, Fields, Sewell, or Lawrence? And I really, if, if I really want to be honest with myself, is it Lawrence or Sewell? I, I mean, that's the only two that I'm going with. I think there. It's a fun thing to talk about, but it's not a lot of betting advantage to talk about. All right, let's stick it here right now with the NFL. And the NFL schedule has been released. Let's talk about some of the best games. I mentioned quickly, one of the best games is going to be the Bengals and Dolphins. Because it's Burrow against Tua. Look, it's two bad teams. I get it. Right? We know it's two bad teams. But when you have these two, it's it's intriguing. It's an intriguing game. That goes off December 6th. I like that one. That's going to be a fun one. How about Texans at Bears? Everyone's been talking about how the Bears overtook, uh, you know, or or took Trubinsky over 
Mahomes took Trubinsky over Deshaun Watson, and now Watson has come out and said, well, the Bears didn't even talk to me before the draft, which we know is now a lie because Watson was caught saying that they did talk to him. Eh, that's, a, that's intriguing. Cowboys, Seahaw, Seahawks, that should be good. This is a Russell Wilson, Dak Prescott kind of battle. I like that one. I do like Saints at Raiders. It's my personal opinion, Saints at Raiders, because Vegas opens up. Opening day, the new black hole opens. The Raiders are in prime time. Uh, I would like to see them win the game. I don't think they will. But it's going to be interesting with that new stadium. That's a good one. Uh, Chiefs at Ravens. Oh, we all know that. That's September 28th. Mahomes against Lamar. This is a battle for the ages. That is, to me, one of the, the best games. That might be... So far, that might be my favorite game on the schedule. I absolutely love that one. And you look at what Mahomes is and what Mahomes did and then what Jackson did last year, an MVP against Super Bowl MVP. It's got to be in the top two or three. Let's see if I can find a, a, a better game out there. Oh, look, wait, wait. I just mentioned, what about week one? Saints-Bucks, right? And they do it twice. So I'll take them twice, right? Saints-Bucks should be really good as well. And... Uh, Saints-Chiefs on December 20th should be good as well. So you get Mahomes against Breeze. You get Breeze against Brady. We're getting it twice. A week one, I think, without question, that is the best battle for week one. But there are two other games that I'm very, very interested in seeing as well. And these are one-two for me. I mean, I, you can make a battle for who's the number one. The Lamar-Mahomes, sure. And then, look, week one, Brady-Breeze has got to be huge. It's got to be. It, I'm, putting it, I'm putting it three. So I'll go number four. On games that I'm anticipating, number four would be Lamar against Mahomes. Number three, week one, Brady Breeze. Although Brady Breeze in Tampa is also going to be pretty exciting. So uh, can I have two games for, yeah, I'm making up my own rules. So I'm going to put two games for, for that. Number two game, just because of when it's going to be, where it's going to be, Ravens-Steelers Thanksgiving night. This is because it's Thanksgiving night. Thanksgiving is my favorite holiday of the year. I love to sit around. I love to watch uh, my football, eat my turkey. I love to do it all. And I believe the Steelers are going to push the Ravens this year. I do. So a lot has to happen for this to be as anticipated as I want it to be. But I love this rivalry. I love Big Ben returning. I love that it's on Thanksgiving. I like everything about it. This has got to be the number two for me. But it's all falling short, even though as good as that could be, even Breeze against Brady's falling a little short, even the MVP Lamar against Patrick Mahomes, the Super Bowl MVP, even that fell a little short of my most anticipated game on the NFL schedule. My most anticipated game on the NFL schedule, ladies and gentlemen, November 29th, Patrick Mahomes against Tom Brady in Tampa. Now, we know... Patrick Mahomes, and what he's already accomplished. We know he's already accomplished things that most players can only dream about. Brady has beaten him. Brady has beaten him, but you know what? Mahomes walked away with the final straw, right? Mahomes walked away officially. Is this the passing of the torch? It's a different team. I want to see how Brady can figure this one out. How can Brady come up? I think that this is the game of the year. To me... Brady against Mahomes. 
Notice how Brady or Mahomes are in just about every conversation, and that's what drives this, okay? We're going to get some team is going to come. If we sat 365 days ago and we talked about who would be uh, the most intriguing team, we would have never talked about Lamar Jackson, Baltimore. So some team, maybe two teams, three teams, they're going to be at least one or two teams that come out of nowhere and they become the intriguing story. Maybe Burrow turns around and takes Cincinnati and makes them a contender. Maybe Tua walks into Miami and makes them a contender. Well, all of a sudden, those become the anticipated games. Perhaps those things happen. You have other situations around the league. Aaron Rodgers gets angry and he's leading Green Bay to an undefeated number when he faces the Bears. I mean, there are plenty of storylines. Kyle Murray turns around and starts living up to his potential. There are plenty of of stories, plenty of situations where we can sit around and go, yeah, that's the game of the year. But this is preseason game of the year. I don't think it gets any bigger than Mahomes, Breeze, and Brady. I don't think it could get bigger than that. So when those guys are involved in a game, Mahomes, Breeze, and Brady, I'm paying very close attention. By the way, for full disclosure, uh, number one game, if Kansas City going into Tampa doesn't scream Tampa Bay as a, as a road favorite... I don't know what does. <laughs> I, I think a lot of people are going to take Brady because it's prime time, and Brady doesn't lose in prime time. Guys, I, I don't know if this is going to be the same Brady. I just don't. I think betters are going to fall into that trap. All right, a couple of other things I want to get to to round this all out. We talked about uh, the betting angle of this, but um, let's you know let's get into a little bit more uh, of what we think is going to happen moving forward and what, I mean, not even think, what, will happen kind of. I want to touch on the NBA because the NBA should be going on right now. We should be talking about the NBA Finals right now. We should be talking about the playoffs and what's going on. Well, LeBron James, Chris Paul, Anthony Davis, and a couple of other NBA stars, they had a private conference this week to establish a united front to push to finish the NBA season. I like to see this. I like to see that they absolutely want to. Now, it's been estimated that they're going to lose over a billion dollars because their contracts uh, for not playing. But the players are doing this because they really do. They, they want to get on the court. Okay. Uh, Chris Paul arranged the call. It included Durant, the Greek freak, Leonard, Curry, Dillard, uh, or Damian Lillard, Westbrook. It's been the big boys of the big boys. And they are waiting on a meeting in June that will come between the NBA and the NBA Players Association. NBA sent a memo to agents stating that the NBA would like to resume the season. They want to resume the season. So the NBA Players Association saying, we want to. The NBA is saying, yeah, we want to also. Adrian Wojciechowski is reporting that the Board of Governors call with Adam Silver this week felt positive that the NBA season will return. They're saying that the NBA will return. Now, I know Major League Baseball is in kind of a mess situation. And that's where we are with Major League Baseball. What else can you say? But it's a mess situation. The NBA is going to take a lot from what Major League Baseball does. The NBA is logistically easier to start because it's much less players, much less atmosphere. You could play in a a gym. We just watched The Last Dance. Everyone's watching The Last Dance now, right? And you heard them saying some of the pickup games we played were some of the best ever, right? Right. So you you have that with the NBA. Frank Vogel came out. Uh, he's the Lakers coach and said he's not really all that concerned um, about disadvantages 
if, a to- if opposing teams are practicing in L.A. The Warriors have reportedly uh, uh, you know, said that they are okay with it. So the more people and players that are coming out and say, yeah, we're, you know, we're okay with this. We don't mind the competitive disadvantage. We don't mind losing a little bit of money. Uh, we'll, we'll do this. It's going to be the players. And this is why I thought baseball was in a tough spot because the Players Association of Major League Baseball is just so strong. It's just absolutely so strong. Uh, that that's a problem. Even Coach uh, Mike D'Antoni, Rockets coach, said, "Now he's 68 years old. He said I have no problem coaching, even if I am at a greater risk than anybody else." Now I, I mentioned that C.J. McCollum was upset. He doesn't believe we should, but overall, most of these players are saying, "Yeah, uh, let let's get this done, right? Let's absolutely get this done." There will be a truncated season. Most people that I've spoken to through the NBA has said, yeah, we are going to play this year. The NHL, oh, well, let's stick with the NBA here before I go to the NHL. Other things that we could talk about with the NBA are absolutely minded with the betting aspect at the forefront, at the absolute forefront. Kevin Durant was asked if he'd play with the league resuming if it starts in about July. And his response was interesting. His response was, we'll be back when it's time. A lot of people went out there and they bet on the Nets, thinking, well, Durant will be healthy and he'll come back. He said, it is what it is, man. Everyone's waiting on me to come back. A lot of emotions evolve, so I get it. I understand the business now, but I'll get back when it's time. He didn't rule it out, but I read that as Durant's not pushing to get back this year. Now, it would be a cool thing for the NBA it would be kind of a cool thing for, you know, the Nets and, and a cool thing for Durant. And I think there would be an excitement. But I also think Durant looks at it and says, you know, why push? I don't have to come back right now. You know, I, I don't have to jump in. And what if I don't look 100%? And what if I'm not in, you know, complete game mode? Michael Jordan, one of the greatest of all time, came back. And we see that he was dragging during the playoffs. He didn't have his legs under him. Maybe Durant doesn't want to walk into that. So I don't blame him, but keep that in mind. Also, oh, by the way, something to keep in mind for the offseason, the Warriors have been apparently trying for years to pursue the Greek freak. It's looking like more and more that the Bucks may not be able to sign him to that massive extension. He'll be an unrestricted free agent in the summer of 2021. And this report comes from the San Francisco Chronicle that said league sources believe that he would want out of Milwaukee if he loses confidence in the franchise's ability to win. Well, you can't build a franchise's ability to win if they don't go out there and do something this year. This might hurt the legacy of the NBA. And when I say the legacy of the NBA, this may really, really put a ding in Milwaukee's chances to re-sign him. You think about it like this, guys. He wants to see that his team could win. He wants to see from the front office that we're able to win. They were the best team in the East this year. They had a good chance to win it all this year. And you win a championship this season, I think he re-signs. But if you have no basketball this year, None at all. Now you're relying upon next year and next year only. And a lot of things can happen over the course of the season, ladies and gentlemen. A lot can happen negatively over the course of the season. He's got really two seasons, two opportunities to show Milwaukee or Milwaukee to show him 
that, hey, we can win, and him to show Milwaukee, I want to stay. If they lose a season this year, it's all on next year. If not, we could see Giannis standing next to Steph Curry in the same uniform, and what a world that would be. All right, last thing I want to touch on is the NHL. The NHL, who I thought would be at the greatest risk because of the international travel, I thought that they would be at the absolute greatest risk to come back. I thought that the NHL season was generally dead. Well, the NHL is reportedly aiming to practice at team facilities for small group workouts in late May. Well, this is pretty big. They are saying... Now, on April 23rd, they told the New York Post that at least one NHL team told his players, be prepared for informal workouts in mid-May. Now they're saying that they want to actually come back. They want to start getting their legs under them. They're preparing for a season. The joint NHL-NHL-PA return to play committee, they've been meeting virtually in recent days to talk about it. The problem still is the U.S.-Canadian border. That's still closed. It's still closed to non-essential businesses. It's still closed well into June and some places later than that. Players from Europe also can't get into the country, into Canada. They can't get into America. They're stranded at least until June and potentially later than that. I still, no matter all of this stuff, guys, I don't want to be that that wet rag and the damper on all this, but despite all of that, I still believe the NHL has the biggest difficulties, and that's why I'm not reporting on it. Look, we know that golf is coming back. We know that NASCAR is coming back. I give the reports about Major League Baseball coming back. I give the reports. We went in depth with the NBA. The reason I'm not giving massive reports on the NHL not that it's all quiet on the front, because it is generally quiet. NHL usually stays close to the vest. But it's because there's so many problems that the NHL might encounter that have nothing to do with the NHL. Nothing. This is international travel. We're not even talking about states anymore. We're talking about international guidelines that are subjecting people from Europe to enter Canada, subjecting people from Europe to enter the United States, so stopping people from the United States to go to Canada. This is a large, large problem that Major League Baseball generally does not have, that the NBA generally does not have, and that the NFL does not have. This is a massive problem that only the NHL has. So I hope... The NHL does come back. But I've said it all along. I think they are at the greatest risk of losing their season because of all the things that we had. So, guys, that's where we stand with everything. We did get some good news. We got the uh, NFL schedules released, which means week one, the lines are out there. Don't sit around and wait, everybody. Jump on these early lines if that's the formula that you want to go with. I wait and wait and wait because I want the most information. But if there's a line that you can jump on now to get value, then don't wait. Jump on the line now. Make sure you're doing it for the right reason. Make sure you're taking that line because you think it's going to move, because you've done the research, because of the value aspect, not because, well, I think this team's going to win. Look at the team. Look at the value. The worst thing that you want to do is take a team minus four today, and on opening day, they're only minus two. Well, you really just hurt yourself. And now, do you double up? Do you not double up? You get yourself in a bad situation. So follow the money, watch the line movement, know what the public's going to do. And if not, read this, research it, understand it, have fun with it. But guys, at the end of the day, make sure you know 
hey, we do have some time. I want to hear about training camp injuries. Well, even if there is a truncated training camp, I want to hear about training camp injuries. I want to hear about guys not getting along. I want to hear about maybe somebody losing their job. I want all of that information at my fingertips before I go out there and actually make a bet. So week one lines are fun. It's great to talk about. It's a great situation to get into. It tells us the NFL is coming. It's coming up quickly. It's right here. Oh, oh man, I can almost taste it, but it really isn't. We still have all of June, all of July, all of August. We, we got over 100 days left. Well over 100 days until the NFL season kicks off. I'm a guy that I want the most information. And if you guys are listening, I'm giving you my best advice. Wait it out. Look at these lines. Use it as a reference. Use it as something to go on and say, okay, I'm going to watch this line. I'm going to watch the movement. I'm going to do my research. I'm going to watch old film. Do all of that. But until you pull that trigger, it's not an official bet. And wait it out. Make sure that you know which way the line is going to go. A lot of amateurs think a line's going to go in one way, but it never does. So be cautious, be careful, but hey, we do have NFL lines, and there's nothing better than to see that board that has been silent for months, that board change over and boom, we have spreads. I got to love it. I'm Tom Bart for Wagering Week. We'll be back. And you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be a part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARDEN. That's 1-855-442-7836. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.